1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y whales, wherever in the world you are today. Um, we've got a good, a really amazing podcast today, and a couple of great guests uh, here from Zokio Labs, uh, Facundo and Hartage. Um, but but let's really take a second and just kind of understand where the market sits today. Uh, it's it's December sixth. Um, we're, we're dealing with a lot of FTX and you name it. There's fallout and contagion across the entire uh, crypto sphere, uh, as well as in the traditional stock markets. So this is in no way, shape, or form uh, anything close to a bull. Um, we're currently in a bear. I can't say winter yet. And the reason I can't say winter is because I have two amazing entrepreneurs here with us to describe exactly how much innovation that they're seeing in the space. And that's really the most important thing. Um, a winter is is generally described by there is no interest. There is no investments. Like it's essentially almost a dead asset class that may or may not uh, arise back in, in the next pool. Um, we are currently in a, an absolutely in a bear. Um, but there is a ton of excitement happening here and so let's just go ahead and, and start off with um, a little bit of background for the two of you so that our guests can understand like why you're here um, and why you're so interested and excited about this asset class and, and to be honest and, and just for for it uh, i love what you guys are doing and, and really excited about this proposition hardage would you mind starting us with uh, how this journey got got kicked off
2: yeah for sure first of all thank you so much jay for having me thank you to the Entire Y whales team and all of YPO in general for the background behind why we're here and why this exists. So that's probably the first place I'll start. Um, I've been in crypto technically just about ten years now. Um, it's kind of crazy to say that we're at, we've hit the decade mark. Um, I was living in Las Vegas, running the first startup I started called Zaldi. Z u l d i. It was a point of sale play focusing on high volume restaurants. And it was really hard. We had really long sales cycles. It was B2B, it was an enterprise play. I, we re engineered the Micros point of sale system, which is the world's most commonly found point of sale system. And we re engineered it to run on any tablet. And I was trying to sell to really big restaurant groups while living in close, close uh, proximity to Tony Shea the CEO of Zappos and he was building up this beautiful downtown Las Vegas community. He had bought up a lot of the downtown Las Vegas and I was living in the heydays of Tony Shea's downtown project. And I was spending more time reading about Bitcoin than I was my own startup. And a lot of my friends said like, you're the one that got me into Bitcoin. And a lot of my other friends said, you're the ones that got me into Ethereum. And I definitely made a lot more of my network uh, I've increased their net worth more than my own, and I was still on a, basically a ramen diet with my B two B startup um, hustling along. And in in order to get out of this financial situation, in 2016, a friends and friends of mine uh, and I decided that it was time to essentially focus on the intersection of Web three. And cybersecurity. At that time, we actually referred to it as blockchain and cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. And it happened by the nature of people, friends of ours were investing small sums into ICOs. And I was throwing some small sums into some early stage ICOs as well. And I was blessed to have friends who were some of the world's best ethical hackers that were keynote speakers at conferences like Black Hat and DEF CON. Um, and there happens to be a very robust cybersecurity cybersecurity community in las vegas and um, they were able to start going through smart contracts of ico's that we had already put money into and find critical vulnerabilities in those smart contracts with their naked eye and you know this is the same story i was telling i've been telling for a really long time so it's kind of fun to retell it because since 2016 it's been the same story i mean we just found critical vulnerabilities in smart contracts with our naked eye. We remember seeing ICO websites that were built on WordPress, where we had emailed the founders and said, hey, it's really easy to hack into your website and just change the ERC-20 address where you send the funds for your ICO. You should probably um, not build your website in WordPress and get do a penetration test of your website and beef up your security measures. And i remember the next day that website got hacked for a significant sum of capital because someone did exactly that they actually just changed the address to which the funds were supposed to go Um, and uh, you know my co-founder at that time was a gentleman named yo sub kwan him and i in 2016 started a company called hosho in las vegas we grew that to around 37 people and did 4.5 4.5 million in revenue and just auditing smart contracts in the first 12 months of that business. We were wow. the first, yeah, we were the first company ever to be a company dedicated to just blockchain cybersecurity. At that time, there was consensus diligence. There was trailer, <coughs> excuse me. There was trailer bits. There was Zeppelin. Um, there was companies that had divisions that were focused on web three cybersecurity, blockchain cybersecurity, but they were not completely focused on blockchain cybersecurity as an entire company and we were like this is all we want to do we want to focus on this knit and we started with auditing smart contracts to auditing entire protocols and bits and pieces of entire blockchains and then that expanded into also covering some traditional ethical hacking mm-hmm. things like penetration testing uh, of networks penetration testing of mobile applications Penetration testing of wallets, penetration testing of websites, and we started seeing a lot of overlap that the ethical hackers we were hiring were capable of not only auditing, but also penetration testing. And we did a lot of testing where we experimented with converting developers into auditors, converting people with QA, cybersecurity backgrounds into auditors. Um, and so we, had, we learned a lot of lessons. Um, and... The Hosho model was definitely we were trying to be the biggest. We were trying to dominate the space as the biggest blockchain and cybersecurity company. And we were doing that completely bootstrapped without any VC capital. And we never launched a token. And um, that actually led to our demise during the 2018 bear market. So when that bear market hit, uh, we just were not able to keep up with having an extremely expensive staff uh, of high caliber human beings. Um, and they res- they deserve the respect that they deserve. And we were not able to support keeping such a powerful team. Auditing um, work just literally dissipated. Um, it went mm-hmm. from complete bull market to bear in 18. And on that note, since today is 2022, I think it's a pretty important to note that when this bear market hit, the auditing work didn't just disappear. And that the reason is we're... The industry is about 10 times the size. And and that's really important to recognize right now. Like As far as we're concerned, we're doing exactly what we were doing. Last month wasn't the best month. People did get a little bit scared. There weren't people banging on our doors trying to get an audit done in a rush. But we have a, a large chunk of clients that we have one to two year long agreements with that have raised hundreds of millions of dollars, that have hundreds of millions of dollars of TLV, even right now in a bear market, that they're not going anywhere and, and nothing changed for them. And we have to be there for them as is. And um, so I love on the I'm pretty excited about that right now, to be honest.
1: Um, And and that's huge. And any, any, and all entrepreneurs can really understand what a success that is to go from, you know, truly, like I said, you you built literally an industry from scratch on going. Well, it's code, and we should be looking at code. And so, really, an entrepreneurial way to look at it. Um, And then recovering from, you know, a a, a big crash. I mean, the twenty twenty seventeen twenty eighteen was it was it was a violent one of a much smaller asset class back then.
2: My co-founders moved on to start a vegan dog food brand. That's how drastic it was. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I love you. Yo, I love you guys. That's the truth. though. It's what happened? Like but, but, they, they had, like it was tragic. And I, I literally moved from Las Vegas to Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, and within a month and a half of being out there, people started hitting me up back for audits saying, yo, are you still auditing? What happened to ho show? And I was like, well, hosho is no more but i'm starting a new thing it's called zokio and i just threw up a landing page and i had a couple of guys that i mean it was actually like disney world for hiring blockchain devs in ukraine it was bear market everyone didn't have a gig and there were like so many smart people like oh casually you know they've touched ETH core um you know cybersecurity backgrounds phds in, in computer science uh you know, P- that's amazing PhDs in cryptography there was a lot of just epic talent around and I started to scoop it up just as demand would increase for auditing we just take one, one more auditor two more auditors two more devs and we were a bit more dynamic and we learned a lot of lessons from Hosho where certain things made our our bottom our, our burn rate too high and you know we thought we were going to the moon and I just wanted to be a little smarter this time. We didn't want to be the biggest. We want to be the best. We want to just let's, let's go straight to the biggest BC partners we have and help them and talk to them about their tech and security due diligence and share them the deal flow we see so early. And I love that. Like, let's focus on the builders that we already know and the builder communities that we can support and try to build better long term relationships and actually do diligence on who we're going to audit so that we don't face um, bad ethics and bad morals. And like that was a problem. We had to chase people for money at Hosho. We have had to, we've had to bear, we've had to do that a few times at Zoka this year, recently, to be honest. Um, but not, not nearly as bad. Plus, we learned lessons. Like we take payments upfront far more often now. Um, <laughs> so it's no, it's no longer an issue. Um, it's,
1: it's still Web3. It's it's really fabulous, and you know we'll talk a little bit more, a little bit more about this. But too often, you know, entrepreneurs in the space are like, "Blockchain's secure." Oh yeah, blockchain's absolutely secure. So they don't they they forget that yes, the the core code is secure. We we validated it. But anytime you have an interaction, every time you have a touch point or anything else, these there is. I don't need to tell you guys. I'm just being very clear for the audience. Um, you, you can screw this up a thousand different ways. You can screw up your what, every two single presence.
2: time code changes. It needs a review and it needs not only internal review and internal testing. It needs multiple qualified third parties to review that code. And every developer has known this for ages. They've been writing code and getting it reviewed by third parties for ages. They've been getting websites pen tested and mobile applications pen tested. But for some reason in the blockchain space, since its birth, our space has not respected cybersecurity for a long list of reasons, and some of it has been due to just people being in a rush to get things out. Some of it, I partially blame Mark Zuckerberg because he has this mindset of uh, "build it fast and break it," and and that mindset from Web two leaked over into Web three. Not to mention the ability, the ICO space. People were just in a rush. They were like, "Let's get this token out there." You know, we. Early on in the space, we had to actually go to every single centralized exchange in the space and tell them that they they should not list tokens that did not have an audit. This was not always a standard. And then we had to start working on a list of qualified auditors that are out there that are actually vetted teams that have the right track record to be auditing smart contracts. And, you know... We've come a long way now, you know, Binance and Kraken and Coinbase, they all have a qualified list of auditing teams that you should get an audit from, ideally multiple audits, and then come to them to get listed. And this is something that we actually had to spend a lot of time convincing them that it should be an audit and a pen test. And maybe you should look at, you know, their cloud security. And I mean, (laughs) a lot of different things matter. But... We haven't got there yet we're at least auditing has become the standard in the space and I'm really grateful that we're here it took us I, it took us five years um but we're here that's amazing
1: that's amazing so real quick I, I'm gonna Fakundo give us the exact pitch of exactly what zokio does zokio labs does and, and and why everyone whether they are even mildly interested in in cryptocurrencies or blockchain technologies should know you uh, what you guys do and how you operate
3: yeah, I think the majority of, of users in Web3 don't take the time to go through an audit. And um, we maybe come over in sort of the way Hartej said, we come over from Web2 with a lot of practices like leaving your credit card in Amazon or having your passwords autofilled, filled um, And we sort of come in with this careless uh, mindset. And I think Web3 has a ton of opportunities, um, you know. but I'm an economist by, by profession, so no free lunches. Uh, There's always drawbacks. And one of those drawbacks is you do have to be a bit more careful as far as security, for example. Um, You can go, there's a fantastic resource, which is the REC leaderboard. um, And there are billions of dollars that companies have lost completely unaudited. You know, they haven't even put $1 towards taking any security preventive measures. And obviously, I think the industry has gotten a lot better. Uh, Things have improved. But I think there's still a long, long, long way to go.
2: I think we've been just talking or Jay, but we, now we need to like take a step back and tell the audience and Jay what the hell Zokio is and what we do.
1: Yeah, give, give me that elevator pitch. Sell, sell me. I got, a, I got a lot of code that's unaudited. How, am I gonna, how should I take care of this?
3: Basically, what we do is you come to us with your code. Um, comprehensively, you know, you have a front end, the back end, you have smart contract and we go through it and check out what's good, what needs to be changed. We'll get back to you. We'll say, hey, we think this is wrong. This sounds good. Uh, this might be a different way that you might have to code this out. And you get back to that. You do some changes, come back to us, and then we release a final audit score for the public.
2: And so we've Fabulous. got... we, we At Zokyo. so I'll break it down real quick from my perspective. So Zokio, the word itself means augment in Japanese. Hmm. and And so our vision is to be an extension of your team. And in... The peak bear market when I started, we were being pretty dynamic in the way in which we were working with companies because we had more time to breathe and people weren't in a rush. And so we had three main pillars. It was security, our studio, which was like incubation and development, and investment. Mm. And we have increasingly built out those divisions in a way where the core has definitely been security auditing. And that's how we see a lot of deal flow. We see a lot of companies come to us. A lot of it initially was just based upon our reputation uh, of Hosho and the fact that I ran around the world with my turban on, looking the way I do, speaking at pretty much every conference in the world and telling people that they should get their smart contract audited, they should get a pen test, explaining what it was, and it, it was like a you know, it was very early in the space. It was early 2016, 17, 18. And this is before um, there was a, a large number of auditing firms even out there. I and mean, Joseph Lubin had consensus diligence and I remember him telling me that, um, you know, I don't have significant interest, he said, in grow- doubling the size of the diligence team. It's like, it's a good size team. You know, we, we, we definitely need more auditors in the space so if you guys send us one of your reports, we'll send you one of ours. And that was like the birth of Hosho actually, you know? And wow. I, I really, and they were super open and we were like, great. Like this is actually a healthy environment. We have like a healthy partner um, and, and people should get multiple audits. That's healthy. That's awesome. And it's feel yeah. like that. We have multiple partners in the space that we work with and, and, and we love that. And so, yeah, one part is security um, in that you have auditing, you've got penetration testing. Um, And those are the two main things that we focus on the security side. We have a team that designs and reviews token economics. Um, We have an in-house engineering team that we will, on a very rare occasion, operate in an incubator capacity where we'll be an extension of your team and maybe we'll help you engineer and design smart contracts. Other times we might dedicate two to three engineers, a project manager and a QA person and act as an extension of your team to like meet key milestones. Over a six, maybe twelve-month period of time, um, it's kind of like a venture studio model, but it's our but, own. But it's
1: innovative. Studio. It's innovative, and yeah. your entire goal is is to move the project forward in any and all capacities. What it sounds like,
2: yeah, and like you, we kept coming across teams that say, "Hey, we need an audit," and then while we get to know them, we say, "Wait, <clears throat> you guys need some work in your token economics," and we ourselves are interested in investing our own capital. Maybe between the range of 50 all the way up to maybe 250K of our own capital into these deals. And as we would catch the deal early, we'd say, Well, this is interesting. Can we help you with the token economics? <clears throat> it looks like they need some work. And do you need some introductions to some market makers and who's running your nodes? And we ourselves would be interested in running a validator or running a node. Um, and this Smart. is. This has been the relationship we started to build like very early on with lots of teams and started to realize that um, p- certain teams and we have conviction and we found a great team of builders that are building something and solving a massive problem. You know, we need to roll up our sleeves and help them in more ways than just doing the audit. And um, it's definitely not our relationship with everybody. Sometimes we just say, all right, you're, you need an audit. We're going to do the audit and move forward. Um, but there's other times where, you know, we start rolling up our sleeves and that could even just mean taking t- uh, partially payments in their token that are vesting over time because of our conviction and what they're building. And it allows us more exposure into um, exactly what they're building, you know? And uh, no, I it, think it, it's putting it, your money where your mouth is.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a beautiful explanation. And I, I'm going to go, cause I'm Mr. 30,000 foot view. So I'm going to s- scan back a little bit for, for some of our, uh, our viewers, because there's, you guys are. Really good at technically explaining some things. Um, but let's understand why this is so different from web two to web three. Um, there is a gazillion hacks in web one and web two. That's, that's, the, no one's going to, you know, doubt that there's still issues and vulnerabilities today. In fact, there always are what, what really needs to be focused on. And I'd love a little color from the two of you on this is. The way I've always thought about the development of a Web two platform compared to a Web three, um, in Web two, you can do the Zuckerberg thing, and you can just build it, break it. Doesn't matter. Like you can send the car out on the track and bring it back into the garage as many times as you want to rebuild the engine, change the engine, do all sorts of things that you want to do. But at the end of the day, like if it breaks out on the track, you can still fix it. Like it's still recoverable, it's changeable, and, and while it may be a bit of a mess, you're you're good to go. Web three is like launching a satellite into space. It's not coming back <coughs> once you deploy it to the chain. If you did not have the foresight, if you did not, you know, do the proper testing uh, during devnets or, or or any kind of development testing that you are. Um, if there's a critical error in that code that was not discovered prior to launch and in that part of the code is non-upgradable, you, you just launched a pile of of, uh, of stones into into orbit and it's utterly useless. Um, and deployment on some very large contracts can cost tens of thousands of dollars just to get that first iteration up there. So um, you really almost have to do tons more due diligence before that initial lighting of the rocket and and, and deploying that contract, correct?
3: Yeah, there's no guardrails in in crypto and Web three, you know. Yeah, I think would be uh, would be the short version of it.
2: This is you know expe- in Web two you make a mistake. Especially true in Ethereum right now.
3: Yeah, Sorry, in, in Web two you make a mistake, and uh, you know even if it's also crypto is very financialized. Um, mm-hmm. So in Web two, maybe you have a, a breach of user data, which obviously is egregious, but it's not as bad as losing all your savings or whatever. Um, but in Web three, you know you can't call the bank that the money got sent to and say, hey, that was a mistake, send it back, we have a legal agreement. It's gone, it's on chain, it's not in town anymore.
1: So I think that's a really good point. And I, let's talk about kind of the, some of the critical vulnerabilities and the, the kind of devastating repercussions um, that, that we see quite often. I mean, there is, to me, you know, the entire uh, goal of, of Web3 and blockchain technology is a safer, more you know, more valid, more secure system. And you know, unfortunately, we're not we're not there. And it's it's not always a code issue. It's it's sometimes a compliance, and and as well as just kind of foresight. Uh, I think it's ninety eight plus percent of all ECR twenty coins um, are are worthless garbage, uh, according to Ave and some other ones. So liquidity pools start. It was a great concept, um, but but end up being scams and rugs and whatnot. And that's not a code issue. That's a that's a you know that that's a moral issue that that we have trouble getting around. What what's some of the ways, is You know, you've been in the space so long, and you've done so much. What what's some of the, your thoughts, um, really, around the ways to to secure up um, Web three overall? You know, some of the technology doesn't exist, so I'm, I'll I'll let you kind of ideate as much as you like.
2: I mean, so auditing is an obvious thing to mention, but before you even get to auditing, I think that Web three needs to go through a pretty fundamental. Cybersecurity shower that was super standard in the Web2 space. In the Web2 space, we have PCI compliance in finance, we have HIPAA compliance in healthcare, and we don't have at the moment a similar standard in the Web3 space. And as a result, we don't have companies that have to meet regulatory requirements in order to maintain some sort of license like PCI compliance level one, two, and three, and say, well, I, I process, or I have this much TLV in my DeFi platform, so I need total to be this lo- total value locked uh, <laughs> in my DeFi platform. So I need to go through this much, a, a penetration test every three months. I've got to get my code audited on my smart contract every single time it changes. And in the world of finance today, if you tell someone that they need to get a penetration test in order to remain PCI compliant, they'd say, duh, obviously like that's a completely normal thing throughout the (laughs) nineties, early two thousands, people have been penetration testing for a long time. What we do today in terms of traditional pen testing is absolutely not different than the multi-billion dollar companies that do pen testing. It's no different. It's just that we like, Web3. We're obsessed with blockchains and Web3 and cryptocurrencies and cryptography. So we focus on pen testing specifically in this industry and layer it on top of the need for smart contract and blockchain protocol auditing. But there's nothing different from what we do on penetration testing and what small and massive firms do. And at the end of the day, it's just reputation on the line. It's not insurance. It's not um there's no liability if your website gets hacked after a pen test it's your reputation and this is what we tell people if people ask us like is zokio liable if something happens and i tell them we i we would love to see a world when we're working on it to see if we can head towards a world where we can combine auditing and insurance but at the moment what we're protecting is our reputation so it's a uh, It's not about how much you pay us. It's about us protecting our reputation on each and every piece of code that we audit, every line of code we audit, every website we pen test, every cloud we secure.
1: Yeah and, and I think this really speaks to how early we are in the in the kind of web 3 blockchain revolution. I mean if we go back to, to web 1 and and you know Hartage, uh, you, you probably remember those days uh, Facundo uh, you know I'm going to I'm going to guess that you're you're a generation behind there. That's that's no problem. We'll give you a quick education. I was on still this.
3: waddling around.
1: Yeah, there you go. But but you know we think back to, you know, the early days of of web one and we can even go past AOL and, you know, SSL was, was, was nothing even contemplated. You know, websites like you, sometimes you could go onto a website and you hit the escape key and suddenly you had full admin access. You're like, whoa, what's this? And, and, you know, it was commonplace. Nobody, nobody really knew what, what things were. And, And passwords, like you gotta remember, like passwords only now are starting to become like commonplace and evolutionary like you when you see you know our our, your parents and and grandparents with stickers of their of uh, the passwords on the side like that was how we did it um you know it was there was there was everything was stored in clear text security was you know hey what are they going to steal nothing but it, it took the industry to understand that if they wanted to have better uh transactions if they wanted to have cleaner uh you know Cleaner security and everything else. Like we need things like SSL. You need you know standards that re, you know, that went around the world. Again, there was no compliance or regulatory at that point. It was just us as an industry industry saying we need to be held to a higher standards. And things like SSL and HTTPS and all those things became integrated and, and part of what everything you see today. We
2: also have to like keep in mind that the mainstream Silicon Valley VCs have they only came to Web three now. They haven't always been on the block. A lot of the biggest Silicon Valley VCs that really know how to build big companies and have had the track record, the ones that actually built the internet, the Mayfields of Silicon Valley, of Sand Hill Road, Mayfield's first investment in Web3 was Coinbase. And after Coinbase, they didn't touch anything for multiple years in the blockchain space. And I bring this up because... As much as Web3 wants to and has wanted to kind of steer the ship away from from Silicon Valley and the importance it has, Silicon Valley knows how to build companies and their track record shows it on a global scale. And it stems from things like knowing knowing the positives of investing in failure. Silicon Valley has invested in failure over and over and then succeeded. And they give lower valuations sorry, higher valuations with more capital and take more risk um, and uh, than anywhere else in the world. And <clears throat> that playbook, the, the Silicon Valley classic playbook, especially when it comes to things like security, um, we're just not being applied and are still often not being applied to Web3. Now that, uh, you know, everyone from Lightspeed to Sequoia to, you know, all the major Sandhill Road and recent Harwitz mainly, you've got these massive arms deeply, deeply into Web three. Um, things are drastically improving. Um, it's no longer a revolution for me to tell companies that every single employee should be using company hardware. That you should have a, co- you should be using a company laptop, not a personal laptop. You should be mindful of what are you talking about that's sensitive. For your firm on your mobile devices, or are they personal devices, or are they corporate devices? Do you guys use a password manager? Do all your employees have UB keys? You know, you have a team of ten people. You're running a DeFi protocol that has a hundred million dollars of total volume locked. You all have access. Are you guys using UB keys? Um, who's allowed in your office? Who has access to your Wi-Fi router? You know. Um, how easy is it to find out where your office is and just walk up to your machines and get on them? You know, do you, it, you know phishing phishing emails has been the cause of so many hacks in our space. And phishing emails, as you know, uh, many people in the audience who are listening to this are familiar with the concept. It's something as silly as clicking the wrong email and opening up the wrong PDF. That very much looked like it was from Jay Steinbeck at ywales.com, But the period on the y and the whales was just off by one period. And it actually wasn't why It was why dot com, And that wasn't Jay and you just got fished. And now someone took, is p- slowly gaining access to your keystrokes and then your passwords, and then they can start getting into your company database and trying to get sensitive information. And it, it all goes from traditional phishing training. And saying that to a Web3 startup today is a lot more shocking than it is to a, a literally any company in finance in the United States of America. In fintech, they know there's PCI compliance out there. If you say anything that I just said, company laptops, keys. Penetration yeah. testing. They'd be like, I get it. Obviously, I'm not, you know, of course. And it's yeah, not- and
1: I think that this really just speaks to again, we're majority of the the coders and developers that are that are focused on the space are, are not you and I, hotage. Um, we're the seasoned professionals. We've done this. I've built dozens of companies. You know, PCI compliance, whether I'm in the industry or or not, like it's just it's just standard. Um, at Y you know, we have everything's corporate. Everything, uh, you know, from from antivirus, everything like is locked down by full-time IT professionals. And then we do also outside uh, audits of, of all of our entry points because we do have a decentralized team. That's a big difference between the web one and the web and web three right now is web three. Like we're all over the world. Like we're yeah. going to be that way. You, as long as you have a laptop and an internet connection, you should be able to get anywhere. The number we have of a presence see, in
2: 17 countries.
1: Oh my God. The, the time zones are giving me a headache. Um, but that's how but, we can, but,
2: we have to audit 24 seven.
1: It's it's true. I I have started to really enjoy that I can I can send my European team like right before I go to bed like a you know a couple notes and by the time I wake up it's like oh it's done that's great this is like you yeah. got a little time machine for, Plus for people, some last minute crypto work.
2: is a, crypto is aggressively global. So when it's Christmas Day, you're just talking to you happen to be talking to the guys in India, and yeah. then you know when it's Diwali in India, you're just talking to everybody in New York City. It it never sleeps. It never sleeps. Someone is always, if it's Chinese New Year in China, someone's still working somewhere else. So someone's (laughs) always building. Someone is always working. There's no public holidays. There's no God. There's there's nothing.
1: It is. is, It's you know. Let's talk a little bit about the culture because I think that that's really something that that most people don't talk about. But with you having as many employees as you do, and staff and team around the world, you know, Web three does have its own very unique culture. That's it's it's dynamically different from Web two, fintech, uh, biotech, and and anything else. And it really does have to do with that start that there is no home there is no birthplace, uh, that, that people visit like, you know, Silicon Valley conferences though have become our home in a way. Oh my God. The conferences, the, con- and I'd like I to point that out if you're going or- to a conference, if you're going to a conference, especially a cryptocurrency conference, I I will personally buy you the $5 VPN for you to install on your laptop and your machines. The number of, of times that I I see people like natively, walk, Oh, what's the Wi-Fi password? Well, don't use that one. Oh, I'm already on it. Whoa. Is your VPN on? I don't have a VPN. Well, just throw it away. It's gone. It's dead. Um, and you, I think that you, that's you, really you can it. throw
2: that into my basic cybersecurity shower next to YubiKeys and corporate laptops. VPN is right up there with like just basic, basic stuff. Covering your front webcam. I mean, this is the fundamentals, right? Like just the, the 101. And now we're talking about the movement of money and there's money yeah. locked up in smart contracts. And yeah, we need to be extra, extra careful. Um, you know, not everything is just about vulnerable smart contracts. Right, like the biggest flaws in crypto security have been like a fifty-one percent attack, Sybil attacks, uh, double spending attacks, uh, routing attacks, and then after that, it's been vulnerabilities and smart contracts.
1: Yeah, and you got to remember, there, there's there's people, there's there's the meat puppets that are in this thing, and you know, one wrong click on one wrong link, as you said, or you interact with a smart contract you don't know, or the the one where you know again, there's the. the it's brilliant, but it's horrible. Um, they drop a random NFT uh, into your into your wallet. You don't see it. They put an offer on it and, and interacting, trying to sell an NFT that you're like, oh, I don't know what this is, but of course I want three ETH for this. And next thing you know, everything is emptied out of your wallet. You have no idea what just happened to you. And guess what? There is no repercussions. It's over. It's done. Um, I, that one when it was going around for a while last summer. I mean, we had uh, we had Y whales members every single week crying about it. It was terrible. Lost, you know, uh, Board Ape Yacht Club. Uh, 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 ape coins, uh, other deeds, you name it. It was, it is a targeted attack because when people are driving down the neighborhood, instead of them seeing the outside house and how everyone to see the facade in in web three, they see everything. They see they see your wallet. They see your transactions. They know your habits. They know when you're on. They know when you're off. And so, with with this clear, um, you know, ability to have these these trustless transactions, we really need some innovations in in kind of obfuscation uh, to be able to hide these things and keep and keep uh, prying eyes away. Because I don't need everyone to see inside my wallet at all times. I can try to hide them, but at the end of the day, I really can't. Because you guys are really good at what you do as far as tracking things as well.
2: Yeah, we need more. We we need more privacy. As a privacy, I I do firmly believe is a human right. And we are at a crossroads in humanity right now on this topic. And I think that the war on privacy has been drastically accelerated. And it's going to become something that we are all going to have to face this discussion a lot sooner than I actually thought. Um, Everything from who has the right to your messages to who has the rights to monitor your financial transactions We are at a massive crossroads recently seeing how the U.S. government has treated tornado cash and any wallet that has touched tornado cash. It's been a really big painting of the picture of what is to come to say, well, here's what we could do if you've touched tornado cash. We can just ban that wallet from having an account on any centralized exchange in the world. Now you're forced to use decentralized exchanges. Um, you know, well, and so, yeah, until, and until, after, until
1: they attack your, until they attack USDC, UST and, and a variety of others. And I think that's USDC why
2: this, uh, I think is tougher to, uh, argue with because it's literally backed by the U S treasury bills. Whereas mm-hmm. the USDT, they say that it's been, the finances are audited and the money's in a bank. And I, I actually, st- I'm not questioning USDT and I'm not trying to spread any FUD but if I just had to pick one over the other I feel more comfortable with USDC
1: I agree I, I would absolutely back up that claim um, and to be clear I always this is my US personal
2: opinion this is not financial advice for anybody yeah.
1: I, I, I like to give Tether uh, a, a lot of, you know, like apologies because for a long time I said that I, that I believed Tether was going to cause the black swan events <laughs> of last year and this year um, because, you know, there was so much like we don't know. Uh, Turns out it it's just the-
2: this geeky little kid from Stanford that has now made my life. You know, now when I tell people I'm in the crypto space and I do cybersecurity stuff, they say, still? Like, how, how is that? You know, I used to be like, whoa, you're in crypto? Can I get your number? You, wow, that's so <laughs> cool! And now it's like thanks to SBF, you're in crypto, huh? Still, still, still that doing that. Yeah. How's that yeah. Work? How's that working out? How's that working out for you? <laughs> prices I, I, prices are down, aren't they? Are you still yeah. in oh, that? oh,
1: it's it's the worst. That's why. I think, thankfully, uh, I've always said I'm in Web three. I never say the word crypto. I, I never I don't say blockchain too much. Um, so you just let it go but, over people's head. They have no
2: yeah, idea. what, 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 the what hell what's that Web is. three?
1: Doesn't doesn't matter. It it makes the conversations and intros really short. If they don't know what I'm talking about, they're not interested right off the bat. Because I don't. You know how it is. You say you're like, oh yeah, I'm into crypto. Next thing you know, you're they're scrolling through their Coinbase wallet and all the shit coins that they've acquired. They have no idea what they do or, or how they go. So so let's bounce back over real quick. Um, um, I want to hear about education um, and I want to hear how you guys, uh, because you have all this knowledge, uh, institutional and and you know practical, how do you get that knowledge out into the various investors or Web3 kind of entrepreneurs to make sure that they understand why they should talk to you in um, those types of vulnerabilities?
2: A lot of our focus has definitely been on helping people understand Blockchain security and fundamental cybersecurity in general. And you can see our blog. We have a medium blog that we've been trying to shed as much light on on the web three cybersecurity space. Recently, we've been really obsessed with this language called move, which Mm. I can definitely go down a rabbit hole on. Um, This language move was originally designed for the DM Libra project at Meta, and it's actually the first language ever designed for. Ever designed for blockchains for Web3, and you know we believe Move is going to impact blockchain development the way Java one day in the past impacted web development. Um, It's you know Move is it's fundamentally a new programming language um, that is it's purpose built for highly scalable blockchains and you know other applications where safety and correctness are paramount. Um, It's arguably the most promising smart contract language today and it's going to be the language of choice for new entrants into Web3. And new entrants matter because in Web3, we need more developers. And in the last two years, all the new developers that came into the space were contributing a lot of code. And, you know, 67% of Code contributed in the overall Web three space was from new developers, and wow. the majority of them chose to build in Rust, not Solidity. In the last two years, these are numbers from Electric Capital. Electric Capital,
1: that's amazing.
2: has a Electric Capital has a, a wonderful report on development in Web three, and um, you know, Move is a superset of Solidity. It's uh, it's actually a clear departure from the existing paradigm. Um, that puts security burden on developers. Um, and so we've been going down this rabbit hole of Move and publishing a lot of content about Move and trying to get more people to develop in it. So um, that's definitely been one thing we're working on. But um, education-wise, one thing I'll talk about is um, how important it is for our industry to incentivize traditional cybersecurity professionals to be incentivized to enter the Web3 space. Mm. Um and so that's definitely something that we're, we've been trying to solve ourselves by hiring people with the right cybersecurity backgrounds, paying them enough money, and bringing them into this world to be incentivized enough to learn solidity, learn, um, well, a lot of them already knew Rust, but they're sharpening up their skills and um, now looking at it from an auditor standpoint. And... Um, Development for our team has been helpful because it's sometimes difficult to incentivize a human to just audit all day. So it's a little bit bit nice for them to get their head into something else, um, for them to evaluate token economics, for them to take a look at our investment deal flow. Um, Just auditing all day can be um, quite a wreck, quite a havoc. I think even more basic than
3: that, there's things that masses need to do that sometimes people are lazy about. You know, we always hear, "Not your keys, not your crypto." And I know a lot of friends that have a ton of experience um, that got wrecked when FTX went down, uh, that lost a significant amount of money. And it's people that, as new people came in, would tell them, "Not your keys, not your crypto, self custody, whatnot." But at the end of the day, we're always, you know, we're always lazy. The vast majority yep. of errors that we make are going to be things that we knew. Um, That we didn't take care to do, you know, you didn't set up two-factor authentication because it was a Sunday and you wanted to go out, enjoy the sun. You know, just you have to sometimes uh, dot your I's and and cross your T's on sunny days. And if you're prepared when the rainy days come, you know, you can help out people. Definitely as there's rumors of FTX collapsing and whatnot, I was able to tell a few friends, a few professional contacts. And um, there's a lot of things like that that we've just told people for a very long time. And during the euphoria of the bull market, people, they don't dot the I's and don't cross the T's and they don't do their due diligence with important basic things that are boring. You know, it's more fun maybe to have your money on Binance or have it on FTX or have it on Coinbase where you can, oh, you can swap and you can play with options and leverage. And, you know, if you want to go for that, go for it. But you always need to know and be very conscious of the risk that you're taking.
2: Yeah, this entire FTX contagion, the biggest A lot of the lessons just point you right back to Satoshi Nakamoto. It points you to the Bitcoin white paper. There's a book called Satoshi's Notes, which is a collection of all the writings of Satoshi Nakamoto, all of his emails, all of his blog posts. I don't know if it's him, her, or they, so pardon me. Um, But Satoshi, whoever they want nowadays, whoever they want to be, yeah, Uh, we're all Satoshi. We are all Satoshi. Uh, I am Satoshi.
1: Um, and, and we're going to so- take a break right on that one. That's done. <laughs> that's that's the... So now now we're in break. You, you've admitted you're Satoshi. The emails are going to come flying in. We're going to absolutely pause. All right. So no, seriously. No, right. but
2: it, it, it was just a bu- you know, That book, Satoshi's Notes, and reading the Bitcoin white paper is a wake-up call as to why we're all here. And I'm by no means a maximalist, but... This whole contagion was a bit of a wake-up call as to the fundamental concepts Facundo just highlighted, not your keys, not your crypto. I think it's a back to principles moment. Yeah, it's a back to principles moment. And I understand that not everybody can self-custody. And this is why a lot of fingers are now being pointed to figure out who's really nailing institutional-grade decentralized custody. And we actually have a couple of companies doing that because... We have concepts like in cryptography. We have multi-party computation, MPC, for short. And I'm not going to explain what that is right now, but it's like cryptographic magic. And you know, uh, if you would like to go down that rabbit hole, there's a lot of videos specifically from Israel, from the Technion University, that go down this rabbit hole of what is multi-party computation. And I think it's important to understand that concept because. So many companies are trying to tackle how to handle custody for institutions and how to handle custody for retail users. And they're, every single one is trying to leverage some sort of MPC in, in a different way Fireblocks, MPC, Curve Wallet, MPC, Credo, MPC, Copper, MPC. Uh, like, I just named four or five companies who have. Uh, extremely high valuations that have raised hundreds of millions of dollars um, and they're on the forefront of solving this problem. A personal favorite, favorite that is nailing decentralized custody is definitely Credo, Q R E D O. Um happy to give them a plug. I, I, I've dug in quite a bit there and I used to help them out and um, we did I a secure we did some security yeah, we, work.
1: We we chose uh, we chose Firebox um, because we we hate money and we wanted to spend as much as possible on on a solution um, that that to me again is is it's like looking at an IndyCar car and some insane technology, complicated technology. But you realize that yes, while it costs sixty thousand dollars a year right now, and it's amazing, it's cool. This is going to be what. What all wallets will look like. This is like they're they're solving the problems. It's just very big, heavy lift right now, and I can only imagine, you know, the the, yeah. the compliance we have to do.
2: Yeah, this they take very very different approaches. Fireblocks versus Credo, and uh, I think that the large institutions are going to use both of them, if not four or five of them, at the same time. And that's actually yep. how it's playing out right now. You need yep. redundancy, um, but the approaches of Fireblocks versus Credo, are, I mean, they're drastically drastically different. One Credo is actually built on a blockchain and it's decentralized. Fireblocks is centralized and not built on a blockchain. It's a private database. Um, Fireblocks is actually privy to transactions that go through its database. They can see everything. Credo can't. So I would argue Credo is taking a little bit more of the Satoshi principles, but big institutional customers of Fireblocks don't give a shit.
1: I, 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 it's insurable, um, and yeah. and, and you know what, it's it's it, this is for for Web three people. Uh, you know, when you hear the story, like no one ever got fired for buying IBM. Um, you know, no no CFO ever got fired for deploying fireblocks, and that's yeah. that's kind of the way that the industry is shaking out right now. But I, there's absolutely so much room. Because uh, there's a massive delta in between yeah. the institutional guys like me and you um, and the actual users and, and small businesses that just need something better than uh, genosis multi-factor garbage uh, that exists today. <laughs>
2: you know, I agree. So, They're all powerful players. The, the team from Fireblocks is actually, I believe, from that university I was shouting out TechNeon in Israel. A lot of the top cryptography, multi-party computation teams that are all doing custody stuff happen to all be Israeli. There's a lot of Israeli talent um, in that space. Fireblocks, Curve Wallet, they're both Israeli.
1: I know um, a lot of DeFi funds based out of there because they are... Yeah. The- <laughs> even, <laughs> uh,
2: even actually the founder of multi-party computation, uh, Yehuda Lindell, that's his name. Oh. Uh, he's, um, he was the founder of a company called Unbound. They took a stab at custody and got acquired, I believe, by either Kraken or Coinbase. Wow. That's very cool. Yeah. There were the first like fire blocks.
1: That's amazing. So as we bring this to a close, guys, um, and, and we really want to kind of uh, again just make sure that we're we we really kind of give our thoughts and theses. I get you guys have so much institutional knowledge, so much about this, and, and there's a lot of entrepreneurs watching today. Um, Fakundo, I'll start with you, and, and Harjot, I'll end with you. Just your thoughts on the people we need to be thinking about this industry, or any thoughts that you have on just kind of where Web three is going. We've gone through a, another bull bull to bear cycle, and and you know we're going to see another bull. We obviously will. But what are your thoughts? about how, what it's going to take to get there.
3: Yeah, I think uh, we're definitely at a crossroads. Um, everyone's sort of holding their breath to see what legislators, particularly in the United States, are going to do um, with FTX, with crypto in general. Um, what is the SEC going to do? Everybody, a lot of people in the industry would love to give uh, Gary Gensler a piece of their mind, I'm sure. Um And I think a lot of things are going to depend on what happens there. Uh, I tweet about this, you know, I I think obviously we want to work from our first principles and we want to be fully decentralized and sovereign. Um, In some ways, that's very difficult to do uh, from day one to everyone. You know, there's people that live in countries where you simply don't have that level of privacy. You don't have that level of, uh, you know, sovereignty over your money, Um, although it's something we believe you should have. And a lot of where we're going uh, is going to be defined by how governments work. Mm-hmm. And crypto is highly political, whether we want it to or not. And as members of the industry, as consumers, you have to let people know, hey, listen, I want to be able to have my own wallet. I want to be able to use, have the benefits of digital assets. Um, I shouldn't have to use uh, a government-controlled you know, digital asset or whatnot. And that's definitely something that's going to be super important. I think the builders are still in the space. So I talk to them every day uh, in Twitter group chats and Telegram at conferences. People are still heads down building. The hype will come. The hype will go. You know, when Ethereum was at 4000 4, you know, Bitcoin was at 60000 almost. People were super hyped. It was, oh my God, you're in crypto. How do I get in? And now no one's talking about it. Uh, there's always going to be a reversion to the mean. Uh, I'm definitely bullish on it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in here. There's so many people I see building that are incredibly intelligent, strategic, business-minded thinkers that are solving problems that are huge. Um, there are things that don't even seem like that crazy of problems, but cross-border payments uh, are huge, for example. And that can cost up to 10%. There's huge reports um, you know, by economic foundations across the world that the average cross-border payment can cost 10%, can take several days. Wire transfers can take several days. With crypto, it takes, what, five minutes on Ethereum. It can take 10 seconds on a layer two or another chain. Uh, There's so many just simple quality of life improvements that can come. And I think one big thing, uh, one big last thing that Vitalik has talked about this a lot that I'll close on is, I think account abstraction needs to come. Hmm. And I think this is going to be something that's huge. So what account abstraction is, is today we all have one account, you know? So... You have a MetaMask account or you have you know, uh, a ledger and you have a seed phrase. And if that seed phrase gets lost or someone finds your hardware wallet or you forget your seed phrase, that's it. It's done. Game over. And what Account of Scratch is going to do is it's going to create different types of accounts, different types of wallets. So, for example, you can have social recovery. So, if I lose my seed phrase, I can ask, hey, Jay, Hartej, can you guys help me out? I lost my wallet. I have designated you guys. Can you guys give me my control of my assets back? Uh, You know, multi multi-sigs have already existed. Things like that are going to be huge quality of life improvements. So I think those are the big things. I think there's still some technical hurdles we have to get over. Uh, There's obviously a bit of an S-curve real world adoption as people stop using things like Western Union and start using things like crypto. And then legislation, which is going to be huge as well.
1: I, I fully agree with that. And just as an FYI, on one of your earlier notes, you said uh, one of the other companies' uh, ecosystems that I own is there's 50 real uh, real estate agents on the other side of this wall and some of my other companies. And I always know when to either buy or sell crypto based on when they're talking about it. As soon as they start saying, hey, I really want to get into crypto, I'm really excited about it, that's when I start selling. Because it's clearly it's gone mainstream and it's time to start layering off from that point. Um, And when they come in and they're like, oh, yeah, that crypto stuff, it's dead. I I would never look at it again. It's like, okay, time to start buying. Let's 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 jump back in. So
2: I think it's
0: important
2: important to think in 10 year um, time horizons. So I think this applies to literally everyone that I talk to. I tell them, you know, keep buying dollar cost average into Bitcoin invest in privacy coins I think the ne- next bull market is going to be massively driven by privacy coins so there's my alpha for y whales and um, and Bitcoin ethereum and it, it's it's about network effects network effects means how many developers are shipping code on a hourly basis into this protocol and you can monitor on github in open source form, all the layer one protocols. So you can start from Ethereum and you can go into Avalanche, Near Protocol. And we have new layer ones, like a new one that launched recently was called Aptos. The next layer one that hasn't launched that there's a lot of eyes on is called Sui, S-U-I. They're actually the ones using this move language. Um, And so it's about network effects and how many developers are writing code every single day on this chain. And as long as they're writing code and we have more developers entering the space writing code and people contributing to these chains, putting value on these chains, this space will continue to grow. Um, This is our fifth bear market. Um, The industry is absolutely not going anywhere. The industry as a whole has been consistently growing at between 150 and 250% year over year. Um, that's ridiculous compared to any other industry in the world. Um, I will say, though, you know, when a child burns his or her hand on the stove, they, they tend to not do it again. And early on in the space, or even in the last few years, like even this year alone, we've had some sizable hacks, the Ronin hack, and we've had some hundreds of millions of dollars stolen. And it's been pretty tragic. But I, I would frame all those hacks as a child burning their hand on the stove. And I kind of felt each and every time that this was one more step towards our industry learning their lesson and saying, you know what? We can't let this happen anymore. But this FTX thing was just, it was a lot bigger. And it, it, it really made the institutions shake their faith in our entire industry as a whole. And it has set us back. Um, and um, that part is a bit frustrating but on a positive note enterprise web3 and the fortune 500s their adoption of web3 i think is not hiccup at all mm-hmm. they're writing they're writing private protocols they're leveraging quorum they're um, they're actively going to keep finding ways to leverage web3 i i wouldn't say it's moving at lightning speed but It's progressing, and I don't think that the FTX contagion is going to harm the Fortune 500s, the Fortune 100s, really, um, to slow down from leveraging Web3. Specifically, right now, we're seeing in Korea, you know, the top Fortune 100, 100 companies that are in Korea are by far the most on the forefront of willingness to sit down with anybody to pitch them something in Web3 you know, from whether it's Samsung at the highest level, you know, we, they, they have sat down and met with Polygon, Avalanche and, and now I'm sure by SUI and, you know, Korea is definitely on the forefront of, um, of web three adoption. And I, I think we have, a, have a lot of eyes to, we have to keep an eye peeled on the Southeast Asia region, specifically Korea, Japan, Vietnam, Philippines, for gaming in web three now. And so it, before we were saying, oh, the institutions are gonna come, but I think the next billion users are gonna come into web three through gaming. And it, it's gonna happen rather fast. I think the the moment for gaming in web three is within the next one to two, maybe three years. And it's yep. going to. I think it's gonna happen first in Asia, followed by the West. And I think in, in gaming, you've got the Unity engine, and you've got Unreal. Unreal is more for the AAA games. Unity is a lot more indie. I think blockchains that have a seamless SDK to go from Unity into leveraging Web3 elements, and you don't have to become a smart contract expert to leverage Web3 elements, and you have a seamless SDK, that's where you're going to win. And this is actually the approach Sui is taking, which I've not seen... Um, any other protocol take such an
1: approach and I love that. And I think the thing that really I want to I want to pull out of uh, your statements that I just got is is that we're still a lot of innovation and a lot of evolutionary cycles needed to get there, um, but we're maturing quickly and we're starting to understand this. The the concepts I completely believe that that gaming and metaverses are the gateway drugs into blockchain technologies. However, however, no one should even understand or think about the word blockchain when they're playing these games. And so too often it's it's the forefront um, versus just the after effect.
2: Correct. They shouldn't, be th- they shouldn't be thinking about blockchain and they actually shouldn't even be thinking about money and profit. They should be thinking Correct. about having fun. So we need yeah. more. I- I'm actually not a big believer in blockchain gaming to date because most of the games that have in my opinion are not fun. Yeah. And I'm I'm very very excited about this next chapter in Web3 Gaming because I believe we're going to have games that are finally fun. And I think that there's going to be a game in Korea that like 12 million Koreans already play, including middle-aged house moms and house dads and teachers and uh, people of all different education levels and all ages. And they already have this game on their phone. And then all of a sudden there's this dynamic NFT and they're going to be doing something with it. (laughs) And uh, that's going to be cool. I think it's going to, the adoption is going to come rather quick. The good times will come back. One thing I always remind people is as soon as the bear market starts, you start to do, you have more focused building happening. It's easier to get a team together, three engineers, a project manager and a QA person, put them in the same room and just focus on building. And the good VCs are still cutting checks. Mm -hmm. There's dry powder out there because they were sitting on their hands. Um, and yeah, because they were shake, a lot of people lost money, and they're shaken up by FTX. The di- the due diligence process has become far more stringent, and that's okay.
1: Yeah, uh, that I'm,
2: okay. Be. I'm I'm okay with this. Uh, it'll improve the it'll improve the industry. The caliber of companies coming through that are getting funded will only improve. We will just have to vet more people so that we don't have another SBF on our hands that is able to raise millions of dollars from Sequoia capital while playing league of legends and just kind of smiling, wearing a t-shirt. And he's like, well, I went to Stanford and I felt like, you know, why would this kid whose parents have such an amazing reputation, why would he screw us over? And so I felt like they would, they would punt him over money with any deck at any time. He just needed to ask and say, I need X millions of dollars. And, I felt like, you know, anybody who went to Stanford Law School and they know what reputation his parents have and how he used to hang around the campus as a kid. You know, I know I I, I talked to a friend who went to Stanford Law School today, and he was like, his mom uh, was my professor, and he, mm. you know, Sam used to like walk into class and like he was a kid, uh, you wow. know. And so I can only imagine how Sequoia Capital felt when he was pitching them because they were like. Whatever you need, you know? You, you know we know your it, parents. You're not going to screw us over. But yeah, and it turns you know what's out interesting he's the, is. Turns out he's a devil.
1: <laughs> yeah so what's really interesting and 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 it, as much as we hate this, this will bring security and regulation to our um to our asset class. and I think when people hear the word regulation and uh, you know they like they freak out, um we need to be the ones pushing this. Common sense regulations and common sense protocols, like we talked about earlier um absolutely should be brought up on uh, by our industry and if and if the if the overall, uh, industry is not willing to adopt this. This is how walled gardens get built. Um, there, there will always be a dark web of which there is no rules, there is no security, and those things will exist. However, most of us choose to go with you know a slightly more uh, refined version of the internet, where where you know there is best efforts to remove the scammers. Um, nothing's perfect. No, there is no perfect system, um, but quite simply, it is mildly safer. Guys, I, I got to tell you, thank you so much for your time today. I, I know how busy both of you are, and, and even in a bear, you're still being inundated with ads and offers. Um, just real quick, how can people best find uh, Zokyo Labs and, and uh, you know learn more about ways to, to check you guys out and, and uh, get some code audited?
2: So our website's live, z-o-k-y-o.io. Um, we're actually going through a complete rebranding and a new website is coming, so keep an eye out for that. Very excited for this. Um, I'm personally my first name with an underscore at the end on Twitter, H-A-R-T-E-J on Twitter. And I'm um, my DMs are open. I'm more than happy to answer any questions. If anyone was watching this and would like to engage with me, my DMs are open. I don't respond right away, but I go through them about once a week or so, to try to seize or anything that's not completely scammy and trying to get me to do some NFT garbage or something. Like, how how do you like something.
1: Elon's new Twitter?
2: Um, there's a lot more ads and I've actually been spending more and more time on Farcaster.xyz and I'm really enjoying Farcaster. And one thing I will share with your audience is another piece of alpha is there's a layer one protocol that uh, the co-founder of Ethereum, Amir Taki, is actually behind and it's called DarkFi. And uh, they're, they're fighting a really powerful fight uh, and bringing us back to the roots of crypto to try to fight a good fight for privacy. And uh, I, I really don't think that this subject is being discussed enough in the crypto space. And we're not realizing um, what the implications will be if we don't start paying more attention to privacy sp- in our space. And after spending time with uh, the DarkFi team and understanding um, what they're building, I am I myself am inspired to just spend a lot more time in this direction, and I've been inspired to spend more time understanding zero-knowledge proofs and ZK, and yep. to be honest, a lot of that stuff goes really far over my head, and it's tough to digest, so I've been trying to slowly take the pill and ask people like my friends that are a lot smarter than me uh, questions, um, but I you know, I, I implore the audience to go down these kinds of rabbit holes zero knowledge proofs, multi party computation. Um, you know, we need, we need cryptography warriors. The first crypto was cryptography, not cryptocurrency.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Why, yeah. uh, Wills? That that's uh, Hardage and, uh, and, and Facundo from Zokio Labs. Super yeah, excited Feel to free have to, have to reach out to me.
3: Chuck- I don't sleep, I'm in uh, my DMs all the time.
1: There you go. Oh yeah, Facundo, you
2: what's your Twitter?
3: Yeah, my Twitter's is just warning Facundo. I'm sure it'll be somewhere in the bio. But yeah, I don't sleep. There's, I get that joke around a lot.
1: Crypto never sleeps, and neither does Facundo. Thank you guys. We'll talk soon. Take care.
2: You thank we'll
0: you, thank you, Jay. Why whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. YWales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show and your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com.